Real Life Game Changers. This is where we bring people from across the globe who have changed the game. And this episode, we're in for a treat here. We are with Real Life Tribe member James Steer. We're going to look into his journey of how he's raised over 200k finance and also built a 1.6 million pound property portfolio. And that's after he had done it for so many other people before. But as a contractor, as a project manager himself, rather than building it for his own uh, business and his own wealth. So like um, for anyone who's looking to get started in property, uh, especially you guys who are watching it live, put hashtag live, let us know. In fact, oh yeah, let me get on there and um, yeah, hit up a few comments. Let, let us know whereabouts in the world you are watching this from. That's what I would like. I don't. Uh, to see. Huh? Dawn said hello. Yeah. I can see there's a chat thing, which is quite cool. Yeah, absolutely. So this is where you can ask questions, get things going. Yeah, here you go. Let's get on this and start hitting it up. So um, for this, set, look, come on, let's see if we can create some traffic on here. So James, if you want to get out there, give, give some uh, give some shares, put it out there, hit the share button. Let me make this up a minute. Yeah, live chat, overview, view content, something like that. Do I go on yeah. my Facebook? Will it be on there? Um... Yeah, how you do? No, it should be on. Should be on here. So yeah, let us know who's watching. Give us a comment. I can see a few people jumping on now. Just give us a comment. Let us know who you are because uh, we're going to give some prizes away. Yeah, we're feeling in the mood today. We're feeling in the mood today. So anybody who wants to qualify to win some tools and uh, get themselves equipped with building their path to business and property wealth to go from zero to 2 million to 10 million. Uh, James is on his path to doing so. Many others have been as well. You need to share it. Let us know when you've shared it on your timeline and tag at least 20 people. If you do that, you will be at a chance by the end of this program to win some prizes. And do we have some freaking awesome prizes for you today? So James, thank you so much for coming on here. I think this is the first time you've appeared on Real Life Radio. Is that correct? It is, yeah. Um, it's my, my debut. So mm -hmm. I've previously probably had imposter syndrome where I felt like I wasn't uh, worthy of coming on something like this. So I've appreciated, I've been asked before, um, but for whatever reason, I've, I've kind of given up that small thinking and decided you've asked me, I'm very grateful for you asking me. So uh, here I am. Nice. I like it. I like the honesty. And I think everyone else will appreciate it as well. So just let us know in the chat if you understand what James is saying here. Sometimes that imposter syndrome of whether, you know, you are worthy. And that does stop a lot of people doing a lot of things in life, in business, especially in property investing, or raising investment, which really is the key to unlimited building of businesses. But if you think about it, like all the big businesses, all the big tycoons, all the entrepreneurs out, they raise money. Netflix raised, I think, four, no, three, three million dollars to begin with to start Netflix. Now, look at that billion pound company. WeWork, which sound like they're in trouble if you listen to the news, but they raised 21 billion in investor finance. Richard Branson himself got 600 million uh, pounds or dollars worth of investment when he wanted to start Virgin Atlantic. So I know I'm giving you some big numbers here, but in this show, we want you to ask the questions of what are the tips that you uh, would like to hear from James? And we're going to delve into his uh, journey and, and how he was able to overcome some of these challenges from going from doing it for other people for now doing it for himself and uh, overcoming those challenges of 
how do I raise finance? So if you've got any of those questions, do let us know in the chat. And if you want to be in for a chance for winning, thank you, Dawn. A few people are sharing it here. We want to be uh, doing that uh, doing that draw by the end of it. So you've got to hit the share button and you've got to tag at least 20 people in here. Yeah, very, very, very good. So that's interesting. Susan is saying, yeah, James, I can't believe you feel that way. You are so confident. Yeah, and that's interesting. We'll get to that point, James. We'll get to that point because sometimes it is the people that come across so confident and the noisy ones that probably are the most insecure. But let's see what comes up in this corner, this interview today. But just to give people the background, James, just like let people know who's James, where did he grow up? I just, just want the highlights, like the one minute highlight of James and how did you get to doing what it is that you're doing today? Yeah, so appreciate that and appreciate the message, um, Susan as well. Um, I, I do get that feedback a lot that I appear very confident and, and, and you know, I am an extrovert and I am probably quite confident, um, but at the same time, like everybody else, I have my insecurities. And I've just shared the video as well, Mark. So I've just put it on my, you asked me to do that. So I've put it on my Facebook now as well. Um, so... How did I get to where I am today from before I joined Real Life or just for the last 30 plus years of my life? Yeah, who's James? Like, how did you end up doing that? Like, you know, what was it like growing up? And um, then uh, how did you get to doing what you're doing today? And why property? Uh, okay, so I'll give you a whistle stop tour. So I, uh, I've always been very key, very competitive person. And my life kind of took me in the direction of football. So I was playing football up until 18 um, and then got, uh, I was playing for a junior level at Chesterfield and then at Chesterfield College, I did my A-levels um, and then I went to America to play football. I got asked to uh, do a scholarship there. So I did that for, uh, I think, four years. And then I came back to England two years after that, after working in Atlanta for two years in corporate finance, came back to England, took a job in the bank, uh, and then kept getting promotions with uh, uh, the bank, took me down to London. And I, and I loved it for a certain period of time. Um, I think I just got to a certain point where I realized that I wanted something more and not to have a ceiling on my income or my growth. And obviously, being in that environment, um, it just wasn't for me anymore. So decided to in the mean in the background I was doing flips and um, it just came about the opportunity to kind of um, take this take it up full time really so I started I got my my wings essentially in property from um, started sweating a lot now <laughs> um, I got my wings in property from uh, just doing flips and then got offered opportunities to project manage for other people. And then when I did, decided to do that, uh, I built up about 20, 25 projects for other people. My confidence grew. Um, but I realized at some point that I was doing a hell of a lot of work and I actually wasn't benefiting from any of the, the cash flow um, because I was doing it for every, I was making a lot of other people rich and building long-term wealth for them. So uh, it, somebody called Shane Duff, who's obviously in the group, uh, is a good friend of mine. Um, Shane used to play football uh, as well. And Shane just told me about the benefits of joining real life. So I, I decided to give it a whirl. 
and quite genuinely, it was like one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. So it's since that point that uh, my portfolio has grew to 1.6 million, soon to be 1.9. Um, and um, yeah, just sort of like applied the right mindset, surrounded by the right environment and consistently doing the right uh, behaviors that are starting to produce like results, really, like that I, um, I'd not had before because I wasn't sure which direction I was going in. So now I'm a bit more conscious of which direction I'm going in. You still got to put the work in to get there and I've still got a hell of a lot of work to do, but it's all heading in the right direction. Like it, I get it, I get it. So uh, end of interview, that's the story. It's what? No, it's a joke. So um, let's delve into a little bit of this stuff. You used to be a banker? Yes, beginning with a B. Yes, Mark. Okay, yeah. So but not a lot of people knew that, you know, about you. So you obviously saw the opportunity in investing in property because of all the work that you did for the other people, yeah? But, but surely you were still making money from that, right? I was, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I was quite fortunate as well. It allowed me to set up my own business with that, project managing. Gave me a really good background in construction as well. Because obviously, as you know, Mark, construction is not easy. And I think, personally, I feel like it's important to have a good foundation, uh, pun not intended, of just like the construction process. Because it's one thing to invest and... I've had to learn recently to, to go the opposite direction, stop uh, being a project manager and start being an investor. But I think you also need a little bit of both. I think that, um, oh, sorry, I keep getting interrupted by Benja. Um, so, uh, looking after my auntie's dog this week. Um, so I, um, yeah, I think it's important to have a bit of both because if you want to scale, then it, it feels to me, rightly or wrongly, that it, it's important to have a, a, a grasp of some of the, the fundamentals so that you can pass those off to the right trades, to the right contractors, and then you can set and forget. Yeah, and, and I like the angle that you're coming from there. Uh, but as you know, there's loads of people who are super successful that don't have that insight. Yeah, and don't even want that insight either. Yeah, and never intend to get it. So uh, I suppose it does depend which uh, angle you want to come from. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the teams that you've been able to build and how important that is, because uh, I'd like to hear your flavor of it and then we can you know, brainstorm that here. Yeah, absolutely. So when you say team, I think that for me extends to your network as well, genuinely. Like I think, as you know, I'm obviously part of your community that you've created. Um, and there's just so many beasts in there. There's so many winners. Um, so that's that's a part of my team. Like obviously after this call at eight o'clock, I'll be jumping on the mastermind. And as you know, I am religious with that. I show up every Monday night, no matter what. And it, it feels like a very safe place for me to any concerns and also now I contribute a lot. So I'm answering and helping other people a lot. So that's, that's a real part of my team where um, any issues that come up, like I've got a, a boundary issue, which I think will be able to be solved, but I've literally just got off the phone to the architect about 30 minutes ago, got a quick spag ball, as you saw before we jumped on here um, and had to feed Benji as well. Um, and all that, was essentially to 
give me a bit of scope for what I'm going to talk about on Monday night, which is a part of my team. So the architect, you know, the the, the contractor, the broker, um, the solicitors that we use, all of these people are so fundamental. And probably the biggest lesson I've learned in business this year by a, by a country mile is the value of quality, like pay for quality. Like that, that's just seems to stand out above everything else that I've learned this year. Yeah, and um, is, that, is that like a normal thing in Sheffield or have you had to change your ways? Yeah, so in Sheffield, you know, I'm from Sheffield, so I can say this, but I think we have got a bit of a reputation for being as tight as two coats of paint. So I think that <laughs> I think it, I've had to break some of that habits. And obviously, um, you know, my mum and dad tried to give me every opportunity they could, but we didn't come from financially like a lot of money. Um, so what's your, dad, what's your dad's name? Gary Steer. Gary, yeah, Gary's watching. Is it? Hi, Dad. Yeah, Gary. <laughs> so my dad and my mom, you know, tried to give me everything they could, um, but probably that's like one of the things that's a positive as well is like that slightly frugal mindset. I'm sure my dad will laugh at that because his friends make fun of him for that as well. Um, so, but as you say, like, look, in um, and I see it all the time, and I've seen it for many years, and I was the same, you know, growing up on a council estate where money was always tight, so you get very resourceful, which is a good trait to have, and I wouldn't ever want to lose that. But I tell you, from sometimes of being really tight, thinking, oh, yeah, the, the, the builder's price, if I can get it lower, I can go and refinance, pull all my money out, and have loads. What I've learned, especially like now, some of my properties are like five years into the their lifespan uh, and some of them even before even like a couple of years after doing shoddy works it don't look shoddy when it's done so sometimes it's hard to spot but then damp starts coming through cabinets are no good you know just the the the, the works have not been up, up to standards I end up paying thousands of pounds extra to then mm. put them onto uh you know get them fixed and all the rest of it so then it, it, it eats into your cash flow i mean six thousand pounds could be as much as maybe six seven eight months of one's cash flow and even worse because i've seen people make less cash flow lots 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 less cash flow yeah so and I'll, I'll give you an example on that that's you've just said it perfectly so um and i think it was it wasn't until this particular deal that we've just exited on um and it's a free property for us so get in i've not done a post about this one but um not yet but basically this particular property was the perfect example of that so um when i was basically like going through my process with uh, my mentor and just looking at like right okay so we've got a, a cash flowing asset and it's taken let's say nine months to do the full refurbishment if you'd have paid for a build team and got it done in say three months that's 800 pounds because there's a single let of cash flow times six months that you could have put onto the construction process and it would have shrunk down the time that it would have taken. It would have freed up your time. It would have probably been a better result because you'd have had a contractor because I was at this point subcontracting on that one. So I was subcontracting and I was basically being the contractor. So I was hiring a lot of trades. I was saving money, like you just said. But obviously, as we know, in true investing and the return on time, actually, it was quite a a poor investment of my time because I wasn't able to get momentum and get out of the deal quicker. 
So exactly like you said, if you pay for quality, you don't get the, the comebacks. You don't get, you, and they're professionals as well, right? Like if you find the right people, like we've got a 142 grand build going through at the minute. And honestly, Mark, I've been there. I go there once or twice a week just to check in. I went there to check in last Friday and I just said, hey, hey guys, it looks like the first fix on the plumbing. They've not done, uh, they've not done the kitchenettes. And the guys were like, oh, thanks for letting us know that that was it. And, and I suppose it helped that I got an eye for it. But I, I shouldn't have to be there. They're dead on track. They're doing brilliant. Really happy with the progress. But they're professional. And it took me like eight or nine quotes and people of interviewing to find the right one. But now I've done it. It's made mm. my life easier. Yeah, listen, that's that's one of the one of the main reasons why Real Life Creative Construction was put together because uh, things need to be done properly. And also uh, from a construction, I worked in construction for many years and people don't really get treated very well, which is another reason why uh, the jobs are not that good because they're not actually treating the people very well. They'll just pay them you know, a bit of money, but not really take care of them. It's not like, uh, how do you put it? It's not one of those where they take really, really care, take care of the people and the career path and all the rest of it. Not all companies, yeah, but, but majority of them in construction. So that's another reason we wanted to put that together to be able to build teams that actually care for the people and obviously contribute to the mission of everyone being free. Yeah. So one of the one of the main challenges is, like you're saying, James, is people just want to squeeze it. But you got to ask yourself this. And I want to know from what your experience as project manager or and doing these construction is like. What is it that you want more, more of? Like most people are doing it because they want more time, yeah, and more money, yeah. But like spending less money, the majority of the time give, gives you neither of those. Spending less money in the beginning actually ends up costing you more. And you've got to be careful of these contractors out there. They'll dangle the carrot, be like, yeah, no worries, 100, 120, or whatever. And other people are like 180 or whatever, 200. And they'll be like, oh, wow, look, there's a massive difference there. But by the time they've added on the extras, they're already at the same price as the other people. But then you add on the time that it's taken extra on your monthly bills that you've had to keep paying or the interest you keep paying, plus the time you don't get the rent as well. Because obviously if the project's not complete, you're missing out on rent as well. Mm -hmm. And then um, all the time that you'd have to put in because of things going wrong, dealing with problems and challenges, there's just no question. But people don't have that foresight in the beginning, James. So what, what, what's your take on that? And what advice would you give people so they don't run into those challenges or, or fall for that low, low like dangle of the carrot? Yeah, it's a great question. It's good. It's a really good point. I think there's a few things, and it, it, you always say experience is the only teacher, and there's there's a part of that that's true, and also there's a part that's like helping yourself, and that's by following a process and following the path of somebody that's further down the line than you, um, and 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 I think I'll either have a coach or a mentor um, for the rest of my life. You know, like Lewis Perrin, who's in who's in part of real life, changed my life. Um, amazing person, still speak to him very regular. Um, and yeah, he just like helped me get on that trajectory and showed me some steps and some processes to follow. And and I think if somebody's just starting out, then one of the things that would be really important in terms of getting the right like build team, if we're talking specifically about that, would be following a process. For me, it's creating a scope of works putting together a specification um, and then being just really transparent with the build team. So when they come around, just saying, 
hey, look, my, my, here's the scope, here's the drawings, the, the existing and proposed. Um, I'm going to give all this to you up front just to let you know my budget's around about and just just let them know what your budget's roughly, you know, what, what works for you. And just say, if, if, if you're close, let's have a chat, let's look, let's delve into it further, but I don't want to waste your time if not. And that, and I think a lot of contractors I found respect you from that as well, because they know where they stand. They know that um, you. This, this is where you've got to be transparent and you've got to be honest as well. Because if you start lowballing them, they'll know straight away. So, and and I and I always say, look, if 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 my budget is more than what you were going to put in, just take my budget because that works for our numbers. That as a, as a return on investment, that still works for us, and I want you to be happy. So if you're happy at those numbers, you're going to prioritize me. So I, it's, it's about moving those wheels quicker and quicker and quicker, and those wheels move quicker if people are happy, and if people are happy, they're getting what they feel is good value out of you. So um, and all of that does take time as well. You know, I've probably tried to for anybody listening and um, that's maybe thinking that sounds amazing or that sounds easy, like. I don't, I don't want to make it sound easier than it is because there is um, a lot of work to get there. But like that, following that process, but then also being surrounded by the right people, like in the tribe, is what makes the difference. Yeah, but it's also the level of action. You know, like I've obviously built many businesses and trained a lot of people from all over the world. And one thing, one common denominator that I see in between all of it and the people who learn the quickest, it's not the smartest people that learn the quickest. It's the people who follow the proven process, trust it with low resistance. And, and by the way, that just doesn't mean in the beginning, because some people, they do it in the beginning, then they start to get old Johnny Big Boy and think that they know everything. And then all of a sudden they start coming up with their better ideas. That's fine, as long as your better ideas work, but most of the time they don't. Yeah, and the reason is, is because why reinvent the wheel? Most people are just wanting it to be their idea or I'll do it my way or their way. But I never say I'll teach anything, any, anything new. In fact, we don't even teach yeah. anyone anything. Experience is the only teacher, but it's the facilitation. Like you said, the environment, the context, the people around, that's the key. But you can't listen to my words to understand. You've got to experience it like you have many times around all the different events, but also like you say, showing up to every single week in the mastermind and having your coach one-on-one. -on -one. It's like having all these different angles to make sure that you don't keep falling down all these rabbit holes that sometimes they're out there just because you don't know, but also sometimes they're out there because not everybody's got the best interest. And that's all the horror stories people people are like hearing. So I, I want to hear from you, James. Like I know you've had lots of challenges. You know, obviously we've helped you through many of them. But I know you've had challenges before you even came into the real life. What's your advice to people of how to maintain the mindset or what to work on or what to do when real problems start happening? You know, projects are really not going their way, you know, costing money, losing money. These type of things are all becoming like a real threat to one's success. Like, what would you advise them to, like, what did you do and what would you advise them? Um, oh, sorry, I've got another visitor. Um, you have just been fed. <laughs> um, so if my auntie's watching this, um, they have just both been fed, like, and Benji did. Um, so um, I would say when, and this happens, right? This, this is, if you're gonna get into business, if you're gonna get into property, this is going to happen. You are going to come to a place where 
you feel like it's easier to just pack it in. I, I have that conversation probably on a um, probably on a, on a sorry uh, probably on a weekly basis um, or yeah sometimes daily basis where you're like oh my god am I doing the right thing? It's a lot. It feels overwhelming. Um, but I think when when you get to those moments, it's about taking stock of right. What are my goals? What 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 am I doing this for? And I think that's something that's become more and more clear for me and I'm still working on it. Um, funnily enough, I'm, this book, reading it for the second time, um, the one that you know very well, Mark, a bit of a game changer in it, figuring out what my true purpose is beyond the bricks and the mortar and attaching yourself to that. So thinking like the, the discomfort of what you're going through or the, the joy that you're going to experience when you get those goals will be worth the temporary discomfort, the pain, the growing pains. Um, so like keeping at the forefront of your mind what your goals are, that that's really powerful for me. And I am religious with my morning routine. So I, I, I know you've said this and I've heard it said like lots of places, but you say it very well, which is like whenever you're upset, set up your day. And having that little bit of continuity so for me i wake up at half five every morning my routine before like most people have started work 8 30 i've already done quite a lot and that helps me feel grounded it helps me feel centered it helps me feel connected with myself it helps me feel like i'm growing because i'm including uh, an hour of the gym an hour of reading in that time um so i think controlling what you can control um and having a plan of action for how to execute your way out of it. So like, what is the exit? So like, whatever you're going through, like, what is the exit? And how am I going to get there? And just been, um, just been clear with yourself and the people around you, like, just been honest, um, open, and and then reach out for help as well. Can't go too wrong. If, you, if you're surrounded by the right people, I think you say it, it's impossible, impossible to fail environment that we've got. Because like my circle of friends, like just winners and I love that so much They're like everyone's really successful everyone's ambitious um and everybody just feeds off each other and it's the same obviously like the real life group it's just everyone's winners so um keep asking for help keep controlling what you can control yeah and that's the thing that's the that's the game you've got to get set up the right way but not everyone know like it's again it's not just set up one time it's to continuously keep resetting your own context your own vibe and all the rest of it and i've just put three links in here by the way for the next property millionaire maker because um by the way these these links that i put in there those tickets are, won't be available for very long because these are different links to what you might get on the website so you can actually get a sponsored ticket while it's available meaning you pay a pound just a pound but there is a hundred pound no-show fee. So we'll sponsor your ticket. But if you want premium or VIP and you want some of the extra things, you want more opportunity and all the rest of it, then you could take that action, go right there for two days at East Midlands Airport, uh, Hilton East Midlands Airport. Uh, and I know you came to a two-day property event a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. It was called Property Wealth. Yeah. So since then we've refined it. We took out all the stuff that was a bit slow in terms of people getting results. And that's slow to our standard, <laughs> not slow to what other things other people's slow is you don't get no results at all. Yeah. So we took all the things that were slow. We worked on the main things, which is making sure people find deals and raise finance. In fact, the last one we did, 
Uh, I know you've done these exercises as well, James, and that's obviously what's contributed to helping you raise over £200,000 is uh, a group of 66 people. Can you believe it? They raised £3 million. Yeah, £3 million. And 217 k of it, and you've not seen this at the two-day program, 216 k of it was in the bank available. Wow. Yeah, in the program. It was in the bank available. Some people want to do flips. Some people want to do HMOs. Some people want to do service accommodation. And they had that money ready to rock and roll. So obviously, I don't know exactly everything that happened after, you know, after we did those exercises and people are left, although I know some people are in the community and all the rest of it. And they're telling us, you know, they're, they're great successes. Uh, but yeah, people, people did that. So click those links, get yourself registered. It's about four weeks away. So you've got time to figure it out and uh, make that happen. So James, give me some of the things uh, that you've now worked on uh, project wise, because like, some people from London, they'll be like 1.6 million, that's like one house. Yeah, but <laughs> up, up in Sheffield, this is like a few streets, isn't it? Yeah, a couple of postcodes for that, I think. <laughs> yeah, so tell us, so what's, what's some of the deals you're doing? What are some of the kind of the projects and strategies you're working? Yeah, so, um... Uh, it's, it's such a blend and like so when i joined real life within the first um within the first i think honestly about six or seven months i'd bought a single there um a h uh, a commercial conversion and a mixed use and then the hmo came towards the end of that actually so there was like four properties um in a short in a short period of time, they were all completely different. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I think I've got my coach to kind of thank for that. Um, because I was just taking action. I was action, action, action. In hindsight, I maybe could have been a bit more synthesized, a little bit more, um, narrow focused on what my strategy was, but I don't regret that at all because it's given me so much experience, as you know, like, with a commercial conversion, there's so much consideration. You got to go through planning. In fact, planning was the not even mentioned that planning was the one area that, that changed the game for me because I really realised I needed to work with quality people. That was where I was like, I can't accept um, substandard results, and I kind of saw some substandard results, and there was a bit of rudeness towards my local authority from somebody I'd hired, um, and I had to kind of step in and say, Hey, it's not cool. Like we're trying to build a relationship with our local authority. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we've, we've, we've made adjustments, corrections there. Like you say, things are always going to go wrong. It's about how you manage it. And that's been, uh, game changing. And so the portfolio has taught me so much because it's been so mixed and it's given me an opportunity now to assess, right, which one do I want to attack more? Cause I've got so much more experience now. If I'd have just done single lets or just done HMOs, I wouldn't have got the the blended experience because so much goes into it. Like I said, with commercial conversions, you've got planning, you've got the title, you've got utilities, you've got the SAP calculations, you've got obviously the certain fire regs, sound regs, with building control separation. There's just so much. And then obviously the commercial element and the broker, that's probably the biggest part of the game, right? Is the the revaluation, like getting the right thing on the VAS panel and understanding how that's going to be valued as a mixed asset. It's just so much. So um, let me ask you yeah. a question. Yeah, do do you know all of that? I I I try my best not to, but I I am a little bit of a geek, so I do study a lot of it. But I I think I know where you're coming from with the question. No, no, no. Right? So, 
no, I just want to know for you, like, do you know all of that? I, I do. I know a lot now. Yeah. yeah. I know, I, and that's good for some people and some people might want to get all into the nuts and bolts of it and maybe it's because you did so many projects for other people you're kind of interested in it or you pick up because you understand the vibe of it or whatever yeah but the the, tr the truth of it is not everybody needs to know that and in fact yes. sometimes people's kind of what do you call it need to want to know all of these different areas actually stops them from taking action i mean if i go Amen. back if i go back to school yeah, and how they rated me in school. Hey, here's this guy, tops, top of the class in maths. And how did they separate us? I think it was maths, science, or some of it. I don't even know how. What, what other subject? English, yeah, they separated you. Yeah? <laughs> All of this stuff, right? They separate you. And then if I look at the brainiest kids who were academically brainy, these guys, no disrespect, yeah, no disrespect, but they're like working in shops and stuff like that. Yeah, and it, and it's like I think sometimes that that need to want to know everything actually stops someone from taking the action and making any moves. Yeah. So how have you found, or, or or what was the turning point for you? Because obviously for many years you did know all of these things, but you weren't doing it, and you weren't building it for yourself. You weren't taking action on opportunities that were coming your way. So what was the turning point, and what helped you tip that scale? Lewis, I think my having a coach. Just having a soundboard of like, yeah, I guess just, like what did like so what yeah okay so the coach helped you but like what did you realize what was the switch in your mind that was like okay let me do that. I think it's it's gonna sound so esoteric and woo woo, but it's a bit like it's the old like getting attached to my reason why and getting attached to what's my outcome, like what am I doing this for? Okay, so you're investing lots. Path one, you're investing lots of time and project managing and helping other people and it's good cash flow. Great. Okay. But to what end? Because how many projects are you going to do? How much cash? What what happens with that cash? And as we know, cash is trash. Not to be disrespectful of cash, but obviously with inflation, it, it gets it gets eroded. But like, what's the goal? If, if you're in property, surely the goal is cash flow. So if the goal is cash flow, having that mirror of Lewis was like, what actions are you doing to align with having a like i i had a set figure of what i wanted to get cash flow wise per month and i think i might be there by the end of by the end of this year i might be there by october mm -hmm. which is amazing like i'm so grateful for real life for that um and i i think it was just thinking along the tracks of what's my outcome what am i like why am i on this planet in the first place and i'm still working on that by the way you know like in terms of contribution um, and I think when you start thinking along those lines, um, and this is not me trying to speak from a place of authority, it's just more when you think along the lines of what is my vision for my life, you get a lot more execution focused rather than you say it all the time, like distraction just means that you don't know what traction is. So you don't know what on track is, what is on track? What is your purpose? If you... And I'm, like I say, I'm st now starting to get clear on like, what are my strategies in property that are feeding the life that I want to live? And what am I wanting to give back to other people as a part of that life? But what has to happen before that? And it's like, you have to start with the end in mind. And, mm. and I think when you know what the end in mind is, everything else becomes um, like so, so clear. 
and, and, and you start executing and you don't get distracted and you, and I'm, again, I'm not perfect. I'm still getting distracted, but I'm also executing a lot. So the clearer you can get on your vision and your why, it makes the, you know, DYPT, I'm, I'm saying an acronym here from an event that Mark runs was, was life-changing for me. Um, honestly, anybody in the tribe that's listening to this or anybody that does listen to this, Mark runs an event called Discover Your True Potential that was, I can't say too much just because it's very spiritual, but that helped me already with my morning routine get so clear every morning I'm writing what where is my life in 20 years in 10 years in five years in one year and then what are the quarterly targets to get me there Justin Ingre who's somebody that's come from real life and is an amazing person is is is, has helped me with this a lot as well and obviously Justin credits you Mark for that because you know you've helped him so much um and I think just getting that clarity, and I'm still working on it. Getting that clarity is just—it's just game changing. Um, I don't have to say it any better than that, or I don't even know if I'm saying it very good. But yeah, I'm trying. clarity is good. Hey, is your mum's name Janet? Oh my god! I know. I can see her commenting. Yeah, very good. Yeah, good to see the parents. Hi, mum. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. I mean, that's quite funny. It's very spiritual. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's all round. Yeah, we've got to, we can't like it's financial, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. It's hard to have it all. Yeah, and a lot of people they come to real life because of the property millionaire maker or the property wealth or they want the cash flow and all the rest of it. But then yeah, they find real purpose and they you know they find you know awesome business partners and friends and associates and whatever else you want to call them. Yeah, which is what the like which is what the resorts is about, by the way you know, which is creating the ultimate environment to work, rest and play. And oh my goodness, if you guys haven't seen that, you know, I mean, James, I know you're going to, you're going to freaking love this. Yeah. Uh, 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 have you seen the website before? Not yet. No, you didn't see the website. Oh my God. We're literally just uh, going through final stages of negotiation, open the real life, the first real life resort. I'll put the website that people can see it later. Yeah. It's in there. Um, but again, this is why we're looking for property investors, people like you, James, and all the other people. We want to train more property investors because we need people who can do it like a business. Mm. Yeah, because mm. we've seen it firsthand when it, when the job's not done properly, it can cause big, big financial problems in the immediate space, but also down the line. And, and I've seen it where uh, property projects have not been done and builders have run away with people's money. And I'm not just tarring out every builder with the same brush, but when things are not done properly. Yeah, so we need accommodation around all of these resorts. We're opening 50 locations in the next uh, five years. Yeah, that wow. will be across 12 different countries. But UK, we need a lot of people who can provide service accommodation uh buy to lets for people to rent because people are going to want to start moving towards these resorts we've got people who already want to do that we ain't even opened it yet um you know people to buy the places because some people want to buy to live there some people want to rent to live there so five six bedroom houses for these people business people entrepreneurs who want to move there hmos uh, uh studio apartments like all of these different things maybe even like small bnbs and little hotels wow. and all the rest of it yeah because a lot of a lot of the ones that we're looking at, I mean, one of the biggest ones got 157 rooms, but let's say someone puts on an event at the resort and thousands of people are going there, those 157 rooms are gone. 
Yeah, so it's like, where else are they going to stay? You're going to need the service accommodation. This is why we need the people to build sustainable property businesses, not this cheap crap where they can't afford to make the property nice and high spec and all the rest of it. And I actually want to just come back to a point you said, yeah, which you said, like, focus on a strategy. Yeah, mm. because some people do this without even knowing. Yeah, mm. so, so my strategy when it comes to property investing, my strategy is to raise the standard of living providing luxury and secure accommodation. My strategy is not HMO or studios or service accommodation. These are just different vehicles I see, which is to fulfill my real strategy, which is raise the standard of living. I love that. I'm going to write that down. Because <laughs> yeah, the thing is, James, people get confused. Either they go into, like, they get confused that, like, oh, going in different directions. You know, success means focus on, on what is it? One course until successful. Yeah, all of that garbage. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, because I'll tell you the garbage with that is that people, like, they niche down so much, they miss the opportunity. You know, so, so for example, people are like, well, what do you want to do? Well, I want to do HMOs. Yeah, but why do you want to do that? Oh, uh, well, I want to make 10 grand a month. Okay, so really what you're saying is you want to make 120 grand a year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, it's, and it's like, okay, but if you only focus on HMOs, you miss the one deal that makes you the 120 anyway. Mm. Because it, mm. because really if the 120 is what you want to make and why do you want to make 120? Oh, because I want to be able to be financially stable <clears throat> and maybe, you know, do some certain things in, in life. Everybody's got a different goal around that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is if you just say I'm only doing service accommodation, you you miss or you could miss the other i tell you let's sum it up you miss the evolution mm. you miss the evolution of like if i just said hey listen i just want to make money through property i wouldn't be looking at building resorts with gyms and spas and and, and workspace office space and uh, an event space and building tennis courts gotta have tennis courts there, man. Yeah, like I would, I would, yeah, but I might, maybe I wouldn't have the vision or I wouldn't see it. Why? Because I'd be focusing so much because you can make so much money. And I made so much money from buying properties, selling the properties, doing the properties, refinancing them, building the cash flow, building the strength and sustainability, getting the profit and like all of that good stuff. But the goal has always been to raise the standard of living, providing luxury, secure accommodation. That's the property stuff. Then the overall one is everyone be free financially, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Now, the resort's mission is to create the ultimate environment to work, rest, and play. I mean, that's going to be so cool. Eh? People got to work. People got to rest. People want to play. But they don't get enough of that balance in their lives because they've been told balance is not possible or balance is not the goal or you should juggle or you should whatever. Look, everybody's path's different. And what I like, James, the fact that you do keep showing up and you do and, and are now contributing and that you are going to show up to the charity event on this uh, Saturday. Yeah, Janet, I don't know if you're going to be cheering him on. James thinks he's going to come and beat me at tennis. He's been spreading these rumors uh, that, he, that he beats me at tennis. And uh, Saturday, <laughs> Saturday will be the show of that. We're going to record it live. We're going to do a live stream. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, live stream will be cool. Um, but what, in all seriousness, James, I like the fact that you're showing up and you also show your vulnerability. Yeah, because not a lot of people do that. Um wanting to kind of keep it under the radar or whatever. So tell us a little bit about that and how that's helped you in terms of how you're handling things now when problems and challenges come up. Oof, this is, this is, this is like an onion. There's many layers to that question. Um, 
So what, how I'm managing vulnerability? Is that the question? No, so like, because you show vulnerability, which means you reach out and you tell people, hey, listen, this has made me feel X, Y, and Z. Like, how has this enabled you and helped you to be able to handle the things that come up now in, in business and in your projects? Oh, okay, that's interesting. So it's funny you mentioned that because actually it is a bit of learning that's occurred to me uh, maybe in the last few months even, two, three months, is like something called NVC, so nonviolent communication. And it's essentially, it, it's been game-changing for me. It was part, part of my morning reading, I came across it, and it was to do with the work I'm doing um, on myself anyway and just like basically a cut to the short version, which is when you're in communication with somebody and whether there's a disagreement or whether there's just something that they're not, you're not seeing something the same, or even if you, you, you might see the same, but you just want to express your opinion. Whenever you start that conversation or have that conversation from a place of literally two words, like using the word you is very aggressive if you think about it, if I was to say the words like now to you, like, hey, Mark, you know, you did this and I thought that you were wrong to do that and you you made me feel like this, like, without even noticing it, you're probably, your back's turned up straight away. You're like, who's this guy? Whereas if you come from a place of I, like, hey, Mark, um, the other day I noticed that this happened and I kind of felt a bit disappointed or I felt a bit like this. Would you mind? And then just make a simple request. The person never has to do it but they're always then given the opportunity to step into that, to earn it, to, to, to like, to, to respond positively to you. And it sounds a bit, I hope it doesn't sound a bit contrived because I just think it's a nice framework to, I, I had it literally with, we've got a, a project that I'd sourced as part of my sourcing business. And we'd got a builder who, uh, long story short is he was trying to put in for some variations at the end and I'd done the process of saying, here's my budget. Um, the build team that we wanted to use originally, uh, because it had gone so long in conveyancing, they were like, look, we're like a month before we can start. We'll understand if you go with somebody else. I was like, cool, we'll use it on the next one. I've got somebody else, a general builder. He's done a good job. But he wasn't charging that. They were charging that. But I still gave him their budget because I was like, I just want an easy life. Just it works for everybody at those numbers. Can you do it? Can you step on it straight away? He was like, yeah. And then at the end, he tried to put into variations because I'd, I'd missed something on the scope of works. My responsibility, my fault. I earned it. And I said, hey, look, uh, I know I missed it on the scope. Um, felt like I put in uh, enough on the budget. But would you mind covering that as part of the thing? We'd normally expect people to cover that. If not, I'll totally understand. Um, it's my it's my fault. And he did. He covered it, even though he was trying to make requests for variations. And this was like two weeks ago. And I think just that, like you use this word and you use this mindset a lot of like taking responsibility for everything, never, ever playing the victim. Um, and these are like deep concepts that take a lot of work if somebody's already along that lines of thinking. But really taking ownership for everything, literally everything. Like my, my, any failed business partnership I have any, um, and to be fair, like the, those, those get worked through anyway, because there's either lessons or there's wins, but just like, uh, uh, my last relationship, like 
stuff, I'll take responsibility for everything. Uh, and it's just the way I approach life. It's just who I am. Um, and that way, I guess you don't give your power away as well. That way you can change the course of where your future is going to go. If you're always playing the victim and blaming anybody else, then you can't really do anything about it. And you're always at the whim of like circumstances or other people. So it's just the way I kind of empower myself really, I guess. Beautiful. Nice message. So we've got to start wrapping this up because I know we're going to go to the uh, mastermind and many other people who are probably watching this want to do that as well. So like, let's say there's people out there maybe had a bit of a hard time or maybe they want to get started or they've had some challenges or they've got a bit of fear. Yeah. What would your 30 second message be to these people out there? The, what, what, the wanting to get started in proper? Yeah, maybe get started or got some fears or had some challenges. 30 seconds, right. Uh, surround yourself with winners. Do whatever it takes. Find your tribe. Get around good people. When I made that decision, you know, I've been open about the fact that I was in a dark place a few years ago. And it was just, I was just off track, that's all. But surrounding myself with winners, like the vibe goes up. It's that analogy of you can wear a, a warm coat uh, in a freezer, but there's only going to be one winner. Or like a, a positive plus a negative equals a negative. If you're around negative people or anybody that's going to put you down that vibe, you'll you'll come down. And that's like it sounds so like one of those meaningless platitudes, but it's so true. Just surround yourself with winners. There's there's so much other advice I could give, but that's my thirty seconds, and I've probably gone over. Nice. I love it. Thank you very much. So before I ask you the last question, I want to say I appreciate you coming on here. Great wisdom, great sharing. You know, we've inspired the people. If I always say, if, look, if one person got inspired from this, then uh, we've done our job. Uh, but I think many more than one people are going to get inspired by this. So thank you. And I really appreciate you coming on here. This is the Real Life Game Changers and you are a game changer. Well, thanks, Mark. I just want to say um, on behalf of everybody that's in the tribe as well, uh, I and we appreciate you. You've put together this community and I think you're an amazing person. I genuinely mean that. And you've changed a lot of lives, including mine. So I'm very grateful for you, Mark. Appreciate those words. I appreciate it. So look, before we go for the last question, uh, we need to pick a winner. So you need to pick a number one, two or three. Two. Two is... She's doing it again, Dawn Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. So, wow, she just commented so I can see that she's here. Uh, you need to message the uh, Mark Harvey page and just say hashtag I won. And what you have won is three months coaching with one of our certified coaches. Can you believe that? Wow. What a great prize that is. Yeah. That's see, well never, done. You never know what you get from watching and also sharing and just being a great contributor. Yeah, so very good, very good. So uh, last question before we wrap this baby up. You know, we have a saying in our community that says you got to do the right thing for the right reason. Now, why is that? Because that is the only way to discover your true potential. Very good, very clean, very precise. Thank you for being here. Thank you for everyone watching. And as James said, you've got to do the right thing for the right reason because that is the only way to discover your true potential.